0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading Star of Light by Patricia Sandin, with permission of Moody Publishing Company, and we are on Chapter 17 An Exciting Night. The next day dawned bright and clear, and the rescue party set off early in the afternoon. Ginny, desperately disappointed that she wasn't going to, but determined to make the best of it, stood and waved, waved them off all his fears forgotten in the thrill of being inside a beautiful car sat in the back seat like a prince nodded proudly to the crowd of open-mouthed admiring urchins running it behind far down the road they followed shouting and hooting rags of fluttering haman stuck his head out far out in the window and yelled with triumph and rosemary pulled him in again by the seat of his trousers it was a beautiful drive Haman remembered the hot, dusty evening when he had toiled up that same hill with Kenzo on his back. He had been so tired then to look about him and admire the view, but now he wanted to see everything, and he leaped from side to side in the car like a monkey in a cage. Later he slept, curled up on the back seat, and when he woke he found the car had stopped in an area surrounded by mountains, and the Englishman and the nurse were drinking tea and eating sandwiches. Haman was given a sugar bun and he thought he was in heaven. Only one thought spoiled his pleasure. As the sun sank towards the western mountains, the gray car was traveling towards his village and his stepfather. The big Englishman and the nurse had promised that he would be kept safe, so he was not really very afraid. He laid his head on his arms on the window ledge, thinking. He was coming near to his mother, too, and his heart cried out for her. It would have been—it would be so hard to be so close and yet unable to see her or speak to her. Two big tears beamed up in his eyes and trickled down over the shiny leather car seats. After a while, the car turned off the main road into a stony mountain road, traveling more slowly between the scrubby hills where the hills, villages of the mountain people nestled. Children were bringing their goats home, and several times the car had to stop while a small figure and his flock crossed the road. Then the sun set behind the hills, and Haman could see the shape of his home mountain in the distance with two bright stars twinkling above it. His heart began to beat very fast, and his mouth grew very quite dry. It was quite dark when they reached the familiar marketplace, and they drove behind the few shops to where the rough road dwindled into a track, and there Mr. Swift stopped the car. Haman tumbled out and ran behind an olive tree while the nurse spoke to a boy standing in the doorway of a house and asked him to wind the car. Haman knew this boy and he did not wish to be recognized by anyone so he waited until the boy's back was turned and then came sulking out from his hiding place and without a word set off quickly along the familiar path with Mr. Swift Swift, and the nurse hurrying along behind him. This was a very track from which he had toiled on hot summer evenings carrying Kenza home from the market. Here was a fountain where he and Rama, Rama had filled buckets at sunrise. To his left was a burying ground with the three little graves where the merry girls grew. And there in front of him at the top of the hill gleamed the lights of the cottage, cottages on the outskirts of the village. Just another fifty yards climb and he would see his own lamp-lit doorway and the rosy glow of the charcoal fire. "'He stopped short and beckoned his followers to his side. "'There he breathed, pointing towards it. "'It's the third house beyond the fig tree. "'You just push the gate open. There's no latch. "'Don't be afraid of the dog. He's chained. "'And remember, you have promised not to tell my stepfather.' "'Yes, Mahaman, Mahan, Haman,' said the mother quietly. "'I have promised. "'And if he comes with us to the door, you must hide until he goes away.' we will not leave without you. Otherwise, we'll meet you here. They went cautiously on on up the rocky path and Haman went off to hide himself safely behind the bushes at the bottom of the burying uh, ground. Crouching there, hugging his knees, he remembered his first escape. When he had crept down the hill at midnight and felt so afraid of evil spirits in the dark, suddenly he realized he was not afraid anymore. And then he remembered why. Death was no longer a place of shadows and lost spirits. It was simply a door into a light and sunshine of God's home. And the nurse had said that little children who had no knowledge of good and evil were welcome there. So his little boy, brothers and sisters were safe and happy after all. Haman suddenly wished he could go there too, instead of crouching like an outcast within sight of his own home. He longed for the warm fireside with the nuzzling goats and for Ram, Rama, and above all for his mother. His heart strained towards her, and suddenly, surely, she would h- hear and come. Mr. Swift and Rosemary made their way to the by, can, uh, by flashlight in a single file along the mud track that led to Haman's home. Nobody saw them passing, and when they reached the gate, it was as he said. It was open with a gentle push, and they stepped out of the shadows and stood hesitantly in a light that streamed through the open doorway. There was a rattle of a chain and the big black dog leaped up and strained on its lead. The bearded man sitting just inside glanced out and saw them, rose suddenly and crossed the hut. There seemed to be a sort of shuffle inside and a a quick murmur of low voices, and then the master of the house appeared, smiling and bowing and full of polite greetings. He invited his guests to enter and to tell their business inside and to share their meal, even though the food was poor. Stooping, they passed through the low doorway and stood in the tiny dim room looking around. There was a young woman with a sad, patient face squatting by the fire and a sad, dark-eyed girl nestled against her. In the shadowed corner, leaning against a bundled blanket, sat an older woman. She did not come forward to greet them. She remained in a corner, silent and watchful. The master spread a sheepskin on the floor and asked his guests to sit down with their backs to her. There was no sign of Kenza at all, and the nurse's heart sank. Perhaps they had all come on a wild goose chase. Expressing polite surprise at the late hour of their visit, the black black bearded man told the young woman to serve them a sweet mint tea, and as they sipped they asked why why he asked why they had come. I've come to find out your little about your little blind girl Kenza, replied the nurse, speaking very firmly. She was left in my charge by your brother about seven months ago. I've grown very fond of the child and would very much like to have her back. She is your child, and it must be as you wish, but I am willing to pay a price for her, and of course her mother can come see her from time to time. There was an instant silence while Sir Mohammed, completely taken by surprise by the assurance of her voice, hesitated. She had mentioned paying a price, and he would do almost anything for money. She would pay more than the beggar. On the other hand, he might get into trouble for having taken her, and there was the question of her fine clothes. Kinza had arrived home after dark, wrapped in a potato sack, and had been kept out of sight ever since. He had sold her clothes to some Spaniards that very morning. It was too much to risk. He pretended to look surprised and spread, his, spread out his hands, palms up. "'I don't know where she is,' he, he assured, them, assured her in an injured voice." True, her brother stole her away about seven months ago, but since then I have neither seen or received news of her. If the boy has told you that this is her home, he is speaking the truth, but the child is not here. If I hear news of her, I will gladly bring her to you. There was a long pause, and Rosemary's eyes met the eyes of the young woman sitting at the other side of the fire. They were fixed on her steadily, and, and was was it imagination, or did she really give a faint nod in the direction of the old woman? Rosemary turned on her sheepskin and looked over all around the room. There was only one possible place for Kenza to be hidden, and that was under the blanket behind the old woman. No longer caring anything about manners, she got up suddenly and stepped across the room and called out Kenza's name at the top of her voice three times over. The man stood in his feet, pale with fright and the old woman clutched at the blanket but it was she was too late at the sound of the well-known well-loved voice Kinsa sprang up with a loud answering cry and frantically struggled out from under the blanket rosemary almost lifted the old woman out of the way and the next moment Kinsa was in her arms clinging to her as though she would never let go Kinsa's joy was indescribable all the terror was over and she was safe again in the arms of her protector the last two and a half days had been a nightmare of jostling and cold and as she lay all night wrapped in a sack on the boards of a truck trailer of smacks when she cried and of hunger and fear and bewilderment of rough hands that had snatched her from her mother's arms but that was all over now her strained body relaxed and she lay at peace rosemary turned to face the stepfather he had risen threateningly his face pale with anger and fear and mr swift had risen too stood ready to act if necessary he was a big man and sir Mohammed realized in a moment that his only hope now was to give in graciously and strike a good bargain there he said rather nervously you have found her and now she will be your daughter you are welcome to have her and with you i know she will be safe and happy now tell me what you are willing to pay for her Rosemary mentioned a sum much higher than Haman had told the beggar had offered. Sir Muhammad threatened, terrified, with her clothes were going to be mentioned, and only anxious to get rid of her un- of his unwelcome guest, accepted the offer at once. He came forward to receive the money with expressions of delight that Kinsa should be so honored, and Kinsa screamed when she heard the dreaded voice approaching. Rosemary handed over the money and bent o- over the frightened child. It's all right, Kinza, she whispered. Don't be afraid. He can't touch you. You're my little girl now. Reassured and trustful, Kinza struck two fingers in her mouth and lay still and content and unafraid in the arms of her friend. She was soon fast asleep. She did not know that a long journey had been taken for her sake and that the high price had been paid to buy her back again. But the voice that had never yet told her a lie had said, don't be afraid. You're my little girl now. There was nothing left to do but get away as quickly as possible before any further trouble arose. Rosemary said a quick good-bye to the old woman and the stepfather and turned to speak to the mother, but her seat by the by the charcoal pot was empty. Only the little girl sat watching, solemn and big-eyed. The mother had slipped out unnoticed while the payment was being arranged, and caring nothing about her husband's anger, she was hurrying down the steep path that led from the village calling softly and breathlessly to her son. She guessed he must be near, for how else could they have found their way to the house? But even so, she was startled when the little figure came out from the shadow of the olive trees on the outskirts of the bearing ground and kissed her hand. She pulled him fearfully back into the dark safety of the trees and looked into his upturned face. Little son, little son, she whispered for she knew their time was short. How are you? Are you all right? I'm fine, he whispered back. I work in the town, and all is well. But Kinza, have they got her? His mother nodded. The Englishman has paid the price for her and will take her as her daughter. I have no way, I have no more fear for Kinza. All will be well for her, and she will never suffer or be beaten or beg. But you, little son, come back to me. I miss you so. He shook his head slowly, I dare not, he he breathed Sir Muhammad would kill me with a beating. I have work and I can live, and the English nurse feeds us at night. Besides, she has a book about Jesus, the man she told you, about who took the children in their arms. And that book is written, The Way of God, which leads to heaven. What she tells us from her book makes my heart happy and I must know more. He was speaking more earnestly and she drew him close against her. He had grown taller, but he was so thin. And to her, he was still esteemed to be a little boy. Yet all on his own, he had found happiness. She could see his face brighten in the moonlight as he spoke. If only she could follow him, she had no happiness. And Then, she, then you must go and tell me, little son, she urged. I want to be happy too. Your stepfather won't beat you. He has to pay a boy to look after his goats and often grumbles because you're not here to work for him. He would be glad to see you back. He rested his head against her shoulder and sat very still, thinking hard. He was tired of traveling and wandering and fending for himself, tired of trying to be a man before his time. All he wanted was to be a little boy again and lean unashamed against his mother in the dark for a while and then to go home. But if he did that, he would never learn to read from the nurse's book and perhaps he would forget the way to heaven. Besides, he's still very afraid of his stepfather, and slowly, after a long silence, he made up his mind. I must go back now, he whispered, and I'll learn to read from the book that tells the way to heaven. Then, when the harvest is ripe, I'll come and tell you all about it. Only ask Sir Mohammed not to beat me. Steps sounded on the path, and the light of the flashlight was flashed onto them. They rose quickly and came out into the open moonlight. The mother stooped and kissed her sleeping baby quickly, whispered a blessing on the nurse, and gave her hand to her son. Then, without another word, she turned up the hill and went back to the punishment that awaited her, content and unafraid. Kenza was safe forever, and she had seen her little boy. All was well with him, and he had promised to come home. Nothing else mattered. The little party hurried towards the valley, and Mr. Swift carried Kenza. and Rosemary held a flashlight. A bounded. abounded... Ahead, knowing every inch of the way, they had almost reached the car when they heard quick steps behind him and shout, angry shouting. It was Sir Her Sir Mohammed coming after his runaway boy. His wife disappeared; had roused his suspicions, and the quick joy in her face on her return had confirmed them. My stepfather guessed Haman, and he came. He made for the car like a hunted rabbit. Finding the door locked, he stood, jumped up and down, squealing with fear. The nurse was only a few seconds behind him and the big Englishman tossed Kinza into her arms as though she were a bundle of of washing and jammed the key in the lock and dived into the front seat, started the car and opened the back doors. The nurse, Kinza and Haman all seemed to fall in at once as the car moved off with a triumphant roar. It shot past the empty marketplace bumping horribly leaving Sir Mohammed standing alone under the eucalyptus trees very angry and out of breath while his stepson flung himself back against the shiny cushions and started to laugh. Five minutes later, they all settled themselves comfortably and were over their fright. Kenza slept deeply and peacefully, worn out from the terror and uncertainty of the past three days. Amon rested his brown arms on the window, and his gaze wandered to the twin peaks above his home. He knew that he would come back alone on foot one summer evening when the fields were ripe for harvest. He would not feel afraid, for Jesus had said to him, He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And that verse is found in John 8, 12. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And tomorrow we'll be reading chapter 18, New Beginnings. I love you, I'm praying for you, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.